Today we'll be exploring why Jesus can empathize with what we're going through. We'll also discuss how compassion, empathy, and sympathy have each a place in encouragement. Also stick around afterward on our Facebook page or YouTube channel for The Post Show. What's up, everyone? Uh, This is Zach Griffin. And I'm Logan Bruce. And we want to thank you so much for watching today. We want to make sure that you know that this podcast is brought to you in part by the Ministry League Network. Uh, Go and check them out. Download their app. Uh, They're great folks. Um, We're very excited to be partnered with them. We also want you to check out our Teespring shop. Uh, You can get cool little mugs like Zach and I have. Uh, Also, T-shirts, great Christmas gifts coming up. you know, thank, maybe even Thanksgiving gifts if you're into that. So uh, you check that out and uh, support us as we continue to forge ahead with our encouragement. Well, Logan, to start things off, uh, I want to talk about what we do uh, with recreation. Uh, rather than talk about the um, the current events that are happening, uh, I want us to just... That'll be a uh, nice break. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about things that we want to do to uh, unwind. Uh, things that we like to do that kind of relieve us of a little bit of our stress maybe Uh, i think that's important for all people to have so so what are some things that that you do to kind of relax recreation that kind of thing yeah so i'm kind of you know i I kind of have a bunch of hobbies i i would i've never been diagnosed but you could probably and my wife definitely does classify me as adhd and so my brain ping pongs around to different things all the time and so i really don't stick with one thing for very long uh, but I, I'm big into like keeping up with sports, and so that's kind of my recreational thing. I also really like uh, firearms, and so I'm kind of big into that, uh, getting more into that. I'll say that. I, I won't say I'm big into it right now, but I'm definitely getting more into it, um, especially the past few days. I've been kind of thinking about it more. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of, you know, besides hanging out, that's what I do personally, not necessarily with my family. But, um, but yeah, I, how about you, Zach? Well, uh, when when it's you know in the summertime, love to swim. You know Graham, he is a fantastic swimmer. He can swim the whole pool, jump off the diving board, no floaties. Nice. Three years old, just just so impressed with him. Uh, so, but now it's November, so he can't get in the pool anymore. Correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I like to fish. Uh, he caught his first fish this week, this past week. Uh, so, very excited about that. Um, Very proud dad, not, I bet. Yes, extremely proud. <laughs> um, not much of a hunter. Uh, you know, those are kind of the big things where where I'm from, hunting and fishing. That's kind of, you know, the things that folks do. Um, although, I did this past week, uh, a group of us from church, we got together and we did an amazing race kind of thing. And one of the stops was uh, Thomasville Tomahawk. And uh, it's a place where you throw tomahawks at a wooden nice. board. And uh, that was pretty cool. I've never done that before, uh, at least not in an organized setting. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've never done that. I've always wanted to do that. I have a hunch I'm very good at it, but uh, that's, you know, I've never tried it though, so. Yeah, it's, it's more difficult than you think, I can but it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so maybe I'll be getting into that. Who knows? Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, instead of recommendations today, uh, I do want us to do something else. Uh, we're going to do kind of a show and tell um and since we just got talking about you know recreation and and fishing a little bit i want to share 
uh, with you something that hangs on my wall in the office. So this bass I caught when I, <laughs> it is huge. Um, I caught this when I was 11 years old. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Da, 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 da. Anyway, <laughs> um, what's funnier though is the story, in my opinion. So I don't think we actually got a, a real measurement on the. I think it was like somewhere between nine and and eleven pounds. I'll just go <laughs> say something like that. But anyway, um, the story is pretty funny. Um, my brother was fishing with me, and I was fishing with one of those top water spinners. Kind of kicks up the water and makes a lot of noise. Um, and my brother was fishing with me. He said, you're doing it wrong. And I said, no, I'm doing this right. And he was causing all the fuss. And, and I said, all right, well, watch this. And on that cast where I said, watch this, I pulled that thing in. That's awesome. And so that was <laughs> kind of my, that's my show and tell for today. Thank you, class, for for listening so you're like leaving out the part <laughs> where you're like all right god please let this work <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, i think i think i did I did think you I did. find did you find coins in its mouth no <laughs> not that time not that time all right well my show and tell is kind of interesting and it's just a little lion and it's been sitting back there in a couple episodes um but uh so my story about this is much less exciting but uh, it's been sitting there, and this past uh, week or so, Zach uh, said, I like your idol. So I had to make sure that we were understanding. This is not any kind of idol or anything. I like it. Lion is the mascot of Fruit Hardman University. Um, I actually found this, um, and it was white um, when I found it. And when you're the RA of a dorm, you get to take all the goodies home that people leave in their dorms. And some of it you're just going to throw in the trash. Some of it's like, I have a whole box of HDMI uh, audio cables that I found. And I, would, I was keeping them all. Um, well, I found this one year. And I spray painted it gold. And I kept it. And now it's in the podcast. for Not all episodes, but uh, it's been in a lot. So it's kind of a neat little thing. Um, but yeah, that was my probably my favorite part of being an RA. It was at the end of the uh, spring semester going through and getting to take if they if it was left it was gone i mean they, they've already gone home i'm not chasing them down i'm not going to call them because they're already three hours away a lot of guys so it became mine or it became the trashes and uh, that was one of my little treasures i got so well that's cool yeah. and that's kind of part of that's kind of part of the freed hardeman tradition you know the lion there that they paint right we got your own and that's you got right. to paint it. there you go <laughs> well we're always talking about following the example of Jesus Christ and especially in encouragement. You know, this podcast, you know, one of our major goals, one of the major purposes for even doing this is because um, we need encouragement in the church. Uh, we need uh, each other to build each other up. And sometimes uh, we find that difficult to, to self-motivate. We've, we've talked about that before in the past as well. Um, but we want to look at the example of Jesus specifically because... Jesus brings this light and this light to, or this light and life to others uh, that we're unable to do as human beings. Uh, him being the savior of this world and living in perfection as he lived on this world, um, he shines this light of, of what that means to be an encourager. So by looking to him for the, his example, we can help share his light and his life 
uh, to others through encouragement. But one of the main reasons I think Jesus is the best example for us, uh, what we're trying to encourage, is the fact that he understands the things that we endure. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, empathy, compassion, sympathy. Uh, and Jesus, first and foremost, is the greatest example uh, of that. Um, and when you look at <clears throat> who he was and what he did, um, he was able to sympathize with us for that reason. Um, and I think sometimes we get sympathy and empathy mixed up. Both empathy and sympathy are so important. Uh, you have empathy that is a difficult thing to do. And I think when, you ha when you're able to have empathy for somebody, you are almost obligated to because you've been through that situation that they have and not a lot, maybe not a lot of people have. And so you're able to talk to them, you're able to help them through it in a different way. Sympathy, I believe, is much more difficult because you're forcing yourself to feel a way that you've never felt before for that person. You're, you're looking at them and saying, how are they feeling in this situation? Because uh, I, I, I can't understand it. And it's putting yourself in a position that might even be uncomfortable to say, look, hey, I'm here for you, even though I don't understand what you're going through. Right. And so they're both they're both difficult, I think, because mm -hmm. it, in some capacity, we may feel that we may be getting out of our comfort zone. But I think what Jesus does so well, and he does both. But the fact of empathy is really being able to understand what you're going through, really, because you've, you've been there or you've been in a similar situation. Sympathy is important when you don't know or don't understand how someone's feeling, but you still show that you care. Right. But empathy, someone who can do that, really understands your situation a little bit better. And so Jesus is a God who can do that because he's been there. And the major focus, the major passage, rather, that I want us to look at um, is Luke chapter 4. There's another account in Matthew chapter 4 uh, as well, but I want to stick to Luke chapter 4 because of some other verses we're going to be looking at um, momentarily. But in Luke chapter 4, this is where we see the temptations of Jesus. Um, and this is before his ministry really begins. It was right after he was uh, baptized by John the Baptist. It says that the Spirit... Um, drove him or led him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for, for 40 days, to fast and, and to be tempted for 40 days. Um, I don't know about you, Logan. I don't think I fast for 40 days. I, I have <laughs> fasted for a couple days before. Yeah. Does non-consecutive yeah. non count? Because then I'm fa I've fasted for 40 days. <laughs> <laughs> No, this this was consecutive. Correct. So. <laughs> but yeah, so uh but Jesus in this he faces these temptations. Uh and there are other temptations Jesus faces in his life later on, you know, especially like on the cross and and there are probably some other you know instances with it what we could point out, but when we think about the temptations of Jesus, uh, Luke chapter 4 is one of the places that we often go to. Um and so there are three things uh, in which uh, Satan comes to him that we have recorded here. Now, what do you think, Logan? Do you think that this was just something that happened on like the 40th day and, 
and or do you think there was temptation coming on you know throughout right. this 40 day experience i mean and, and this is just it doesn't say so that we can speculate here i just kind of want to get your opinion on it i thought it and did, i know i threw I, you off i thought it we did didn't talk say in verse two it said for 40 days he's for 40 days uh to be tempted by the devil he ate nothing and when those days over he went over and he was hungry uh oh maybe you're right okay so I've always imagined, now as I read that, it's a little different, <laughs> Excuse me. but I've always imagined this is the last day because at the end of this interaction, the angels immediately come and his time's over and they tend to him. Right. Um, and that might be true, yeah. <clears throat> right. But the way I just read that, and this is the beauty of the Bible, is you read something different every time. But the way I just read that is it says he went for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. So it was yeah. a continuous thing. It wasn't like he was chilling for 39 days and, all right, here's day 40. Satan's a coming. Uh, that's not how it works. That's not how it works with us. And so I don't know why that would be that way with him. So that's really interesting because that's not a position I would have taken before 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So Satan begins by saying... Um, if you are the son of God, this is verse 3, right. command this stone to become bread. Uh, the very first one, Jesus, you know, he's he's tired, he's been, you know, he's been fasting. Jesus certainly has the power to do this. You know, he multiplied bread and fish for thousands and thousands of people. So he could do this. Um, and Jesus responds with scripture. And I think that's a great way that we can look at how we should... Um, how we should deal with temptation and deal with, you know, sin because, you know, like the psalmist in Psalm 119, uh, how does, how did the young keep their way pure? Um, do you know the rest of that? Cause it's, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's something about, you know, you, they guard in their heart, the word of God, right. you know, how do they keep their way pure? That word is there. Right. Um, and so Jesus responds with that. He responds with scripture uh, man shall not live by bread alone. Uh, the second temptation in Luke uh, chapter 4, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all of this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. So Satan is saying, all of this is mine, Right? You know, mm -hmm. and and certainly we could talk about how Satan has authority over the earth. Um, God also has authority over the earth. Right. Um, so we could get into that if you want to. But um, the point is, he brings him up and he sees all of this, and Jesus answered uh, answers him in verse eight. It is written, "You shall worship uh, the Lord God, and Him only shall you serve." Uh, the the agreement was looking at all of these things. If you bow down and worship me, Jesus, then you can have it all. Right. And Jesus says, no, again, with Scripture. And then there's the final uh, temptation in, in verse 9. He took him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So there, Satan is using scripture uh, to try to twist it into him, Jesus obeying what Satan is saying. And of course, Jesus responds 
a third time with scripture it is said you shall not put the lord your god to the test and it seems from that point on you know at that moment at least uh satan leaves him and the angels you know minister mm -hmm. right now luke doesn't record that the angels minister there it's it's in matthew chapter 4 correct uh where that takes place um but we can understand that that's what happened right um so coming away just loosely from this are there some takeaways do you think we should take from uh some of what takes place here in regards to jesus example right the first takeaway i have is that Jesus' favorite book of the Old Testament was Deuteronomy because he just quoted it three times. <laughs> Second of all, um, you know, yes, that there's beyond our scope of understanding, Christ understands us um, in a deeper way. Uh, you know, this is, this is something that I have practiced and not always been good at, but when I do it, it works, and that is to quote a scripture when I'm facing specific temptation. You know, as people, uh, we have specific weaknesses. I am not tempted in certain ways like other people are. I'm tempted in certain ways just like maybe this group, but not this group. So there's different temptations across the board that are, are, are different for me. Some are worse, some are harder to deal with than others. So I know I have like my key three or four verses that when those temptations rise, I make sure I'm ready to quote those to myself out loud just like Jesus did here. And I think that is a, a good start, but also I think the whole point of this is to show us that, you know, this is normal. And I think Satan's biggest trick, especially for teens, is to tell you you're not normal. You're weird, you're different, nobody's like you, so don't you dare start to feel like you're just one of the crowd. You're an oddball, and if you expose that, you're going to be outed as an oddball. So, but what this does to me is it shows that that is not true. And Jesus, uh, Jesus outright here, outrightly here exposes that lie by saying, look, I, and he's tempted in the three big ways. So that's, that's the big takeaway for me, that that lie that we've believed, that lie that we've been fed by the devil is blatantly wrong. Yeah, and you know it all goes back to the garden. God made uh, Adam and Eve to live in a certain way. You know they were to live peaceably in the garden. They were not made to take of that fruit. They weren't made for that. Um, they were made to live there peaceably with God in the garden. To eat of any of the fruit of the garden except that one. Right. They weren't made for that. Um, and humanity is not made for sin. And even Jesus said that hell is not a place prepared for humanity but for the devil and his angels it's not supposed to be a place where humanity goes it's, that's not where we're supposed to be right. um, and so to truly be human Jesus offers what that truly means um, you know by by living that life and abstaining from sin you know when we when we get into sin we're giving in to Satan and we're performing unnatural things, you know, things that are not uh, consistent with what humanity truly is. Right. I also agree with you, Logan, the fact that we should have some verses or some, some thoughts from scripture that are in our heart. Um, 
you know, Jeremiah wrote about the, the new covenant being written on the heart, uh, and the word of God is written on the heart. And that being the case, you know, we can live this life with the words of Christ written on the heart. Uh, I was having a, a Zoom uh, Bible study with some folks from church, and we just were talking about uh, how we would handle something. I don't remember exactly what the topic was about, but in the answers of everyone that was in the group, there was scripture. Like they had taken words from scripture, and they didn't know where they were. You know, they, they couldn't recall, you know, book, chapter, and verse for all of those things, but they had taken in the answer that they had given, every one of them pulled some phrase from the Bible that wouldn't normally be used in conversation, I don't mm. think. It was like they were definitely phrases from Scripture. Um, and so I think that if when we're devoted to Christ, like Christ was devoted to the Father, um, we too can have that word written on us to where we're ready. Um so I, I do agree that, you know, it's good to have a handful of verses that you can say, you know, maybe you memorize them or something like that. But at the same time, if we're constantly in deep study and we're constantly trying, you know, to be devoted to the Lord, some of that stuff is just going to rub off on us. Yeah, um, it does. And it's one of those things where what you put into your mind goes into your heart. What goes into your heart, what goes into your eyes and ears goes into your mind, goes into your heart. And uh, that to me is why I try to listen to, you know, Christian radio instead of um, anything else. You know, I'll listen to sports radio. Don't get me wrong; I'm not perfect, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I have the option, you know, and I'm not, I am in the right, you know, I'm in a good state of mind. I'm not just going to listen to regular music. I'm going to listen to Christian music because that's a more positive. And I can tell. I get home and I'm more happy. I'm more upbeat when I've been listening to that on the ride home. So that's. Um, that's that what goes in your mind what goes in your heart it goes into your heart and so that's I think that's exactly what you're saying is we have to we have to ingest it through our eyes and our ears and into our heart before it will be a part of who we are Jesus being the empathizer that he is is able to do so because of the temptations that he endured um, and I want us to look at First John chapter 2 and verse 16. And I want us to notice something very peculiar about what's said there in relation to Luke chapter 4. And then we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 3. Um, Logan, could you look at Genesis 3, 6? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to read First John chapter 2 and verse 16. Perfect. Let me back up a little bit. We're going to look at verse 15 uh, from First John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. So, I want to go ahead and say, and we may disagree on this, but I think John sums all sin Every bit of sin is in verse 16. There's nothing that goes beyond those three things that he mentions there. Um, he begins, he says, you're not in love with the world. You can't, you know, you're not a friend of the world. Um, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. 
But then he points out three things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. If we go back to Luke 4, Jesus had a temptation for bread, which would be desires of the flesh. Then Satan took him to see the kingdoms of the world, and he saw all of those things, the desires of the eyes. Finally, Satan said, throw yourself down if you truly are the son of God. Pride, the pride of life. Um, and I think this is something that a lot of folks might miss because it's not a direct, you know, he's not directly going back to, you know, Luke 4 and saying, all right, this is what I'm talking about here. And in 1 John 2, that's, I'm, I'm referring back to this. Um, he's not necessarily saying that. But it's interesting that they fall perfectly in line in that way. Now, Logan's got Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, and we're going to see something else that's strange here. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of, the, of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Right, and so this passage, what was the first thing that she noticed about the fruit, looked Logan? Good. It looked good. Yeah, it looked good. And the second thing was... Good for wisdom. I think that was the third one. The second thing was... I already closed my Bible. That's uh, okay. Hold on. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I was sort of leading into this. But... Uh, delightful to look at. Good for food, delightful to look at. And then the last one was... Obtaining, good for obtaining wisdom. Right. So in in that regard, you're looking at a fruit and it looks good. It looks good to eat, right? Then it's delightful to the eyes. And then there's this idea of of gaining this wisdom, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. Um, do you think that those three things that are in um in first John and in Luke chapter four, do you think there's a connection between these? Uh, I, I do, yeah, I can see that. Um, and there's, <clears throat> there's so much, and I've heard this, you know, argument before, and I definitely tend to agree with it that there's, there's three ways in which the Satan pushes us, and you can classify every sin within it. Now, they all have their different branches, if you will. Lust of the eyes, um, or you, uh, yeah, lust of the eyes. You know, I, uh, I could classify lusting and after a woman or lusting after a man and that you know it's two different things and I can only relate to one of them uh, the former but I can't relate but it's still lust of the eyes so how you know how so yes short answer yes that that's that is all encompassing and I think that that's why Luke and Matthew they only record those three temptations I'm confident that Jesus was tempted more than that and maybe not. Maybe Satan just came to him three times. <clears throat> but I'm confident that Satan came to Christ over and over again. Because if oh, you're yeah. telling me he was only tempted three times in 40 days, uh, <clears throat> as, a, as somebody who's tempted three times in 40 minutes, um, that's kind of hard to understand. I, I think that those were the three big ones. And I think that that's exactly your point that you're making. That the writers of the Gospels were trying to, or really the Holy Spirit through them, was trying to emphasize that Christ was tempted in any way you were. 
you know, right. it wasn't like, it wasn't like, well, he didn't really deal with this. Uh, no, he did. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and there may be combinations of them. You know, I think, you know, lusting after a woman, for instance, could be lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. Uh, yes, good point. You know, you want to engage in a, you know, a physical, sexual, you know, relation with that person. And they, you know, they're delightful to the eyes, too. Or, you know, and, and we may in some way look at that, uh, you know, some might look at that as a pride thing, right. um, you know, as well. You know, there are certain cir- circumstances and, you know, but in all kinds of sin, you know, lying. Okay, what are you lying for? Are you lying to gain something? Are you lying so that you aren't seen as somebody who's made a mistake or, you know, so it can go in any one direction, you know, or, or more. But I think the point in in saying all of this is in the garden, when she looked at that fruit, there were those three things about it. And that sin encapsulated all three of them. In Luke and in in Matthew, Matthew's, they switched a couple of them. So they're not in the same order, but they are the same three temptations. Um, He goes through each one of them. And then... John says here, all that is in the world, these three things, is not from the Father, but is from this world. I think all of that is to say, when we get to Jesus, that he's been there. He's been there, he knows it. And, you know, I I think about these other things as well. When Judas was at the table with Jesus, and Jesus knew what he was going to do. You know, we may have difficulty trying to put, you know, a category on that temptation because there is certainly temptation for Jesus to do something or to say something. And he prayed to his father in the garden, you know, take this cup away from me if it's all possible. So you had to know he was going through some temptation while Judas was sitting there. You know, and and we also might think of the temptation of just being on the cross, you know, the temptation to relieve the suffering, the physical suffering or the mental suffering that he was enduring. He was certainly under temptation, you know, and being tempted is not sin. Temptation is just it's the outside things that I think this passage in, in first John describes well, they are things that entice lusts you know pride you know it's these things that look like they might be helpful helpful for us you know or or pleasing or enjoyable or pleasing yeah you know that's i'm not going to be tempted to eat a pile of broccoli so uh (laughs) it's got to be a piece of candy it's got to be something depends on how hungry you are but (laughs) i don't know (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and so there's there's a lot of different cases you know and think about the death of lazarus too right you know um jesus is able to empathize with us in such a way because he's been there you know if if we've ever lost a loved one jesus has been there mm-hmm. you know if we've ever and we may say well there's some things that jesus never endured but you know, 
He, like he didn't he didn't deal with technology, so right. <laughs> you know, so he's dealing with something that we're not having to deal with. Um, but, but yes, yes, he did. He he dealt with the lust, of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, pride of life, uh, and I think that you can summarize sin in this world into those ways, you know. And I think oftentimes the sin that we endure or the sin that we follow through with, it all goes back to selfishness. I think selfishness can lead to every sin. I agree. Um, but anyway, I think that Jesus, having endured all of that, um, shows us that he can empathize. You know, have you ever felt like you've been hated before, Logan? Mm-hmm. You know, or that you felt like you were unpopular? Or, you know, and I've been there too. I've I felt unpopular. There were things that happened at school or, you know, things like that growing up, and it just made me feel very small, and it made me, you know, and, and then there were trials, you know, facing in, in life, and, you know, but I have to know my Lord has been there. Right. Um, and he offers to us something uh, to deal and to overcome all of those things. Um I think about the God of comfort in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. You know, the God of, of all comfort comforts us with this, you know, amazing comfort that can only come from heaven. You know, and, um, but he is able to do that because he understands. Uh, and God can reach us today. God does reach us today. Well, and uh, there's there's so much to be said for, you know, who who we are as in relation to God and why is he even empathizing why is he even sympathizing with us and that's all could be a whole other thing but I think that that example is what we need to take that he chose to empathize with us he chose to say I want to know how they feel so that I can understand why they do what they do and there's so much of that that we just ignore um, so instead of sympathizing with, instead of empathizing with somebody and putting ourselves really in their situation we we sympathize with them and we say you know what, I'm sorry hope you, hope you feel better um, but there's there's positions you know maybe you can't put yourself in to empathize with somebody but you should get as close as you can you know why why are they hurting so bad well I'll just encourage them or I'll just say pat you on the back and say have a good day but really what encouragement boils down to is you know, being able to say, truly look in them in the eyes and say, I know how you feel. And when we're able to do that, then we can really truly back up these things we're saying. And that's, what, that's why Christ is able to back up the things he says. That he loves you. That he died for you. Because he's backing it up with this empathy. That he lived your life, maybe not your life exactly, but he lived the life you're living. He's been tempted, not in a 21st century kind of way, and we like to throw that around, but he's been tempted by the eyes, list of the eyes. He's been tempted by the list of the flesh. He's felt that, and he overcame it, and he wants to help you. And that is mind-boggling, first of all. Second of all, why can we not, why do we not try to do that for others? And I say, we yeah. throwing myself in there because I'm just, <clears throat> you know, it's it's hard to look at somebody who's been mean to you and want to what's best for them and empathize with them. But when oh, somebody man. when somebody comes in 
for a fuel filter for their tractor and they're in a bad mood, it's not because of something I did. It's probably because their tractor's not working right. And so I am. I had. I have to make sure that I'm being positive with them, and that's hard because sometimes they immediately walk in the door and start treating me like a dirt, and 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 so I have to make sure that I don't reciprocate that. They've been going through something that I have no idea about, and so if I make a snap judgment about them, then how am I supposed to minister to them? Right. I want us to break this down a little bit further and Absolutely. kind of look at these things individually. Yeah. Um, and I think the the very biggest thing that separates us um, from Jesus is not necessarily the ability to have empathy or to practice sympathy towards others, but it's the compassion that he has. Um, you know, Jesus, it would be one thing to say Jesus endured it all, but it's another thing to say that he endures it all, but then he is also there to help you deal with what you are dealing with. Um, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I've been there, but it's another thing to say, I'm sorry, I know how it feels. And I know that it's also something more to say, I'm going to do something about your situation. Um, you know, as someone who is suffering presently at the moment, I love you enough to do something. That's what I think separates us the most from Christ is this compassion that he has. Um, and I, I don't I don't like that our English translations don't, you know, use that word a whole lot. Um, because I think that thought and that emotion is shared throughout Jesus life. Um, I think one uh, one passage that is often looked at is you know when Jesus saw the masses, you know he looked at them, um, you know all, with compassion like sheep without a shepherd. You know he he had this love and this genuine caring love to see them in their lostness and want to gather them in like a shepherd, right. um, and. That compassion is what led him to minister. You know, so I think this is where Jesus, in the instance of Lazarus, what happened with Lazarus. You know, Martha was the one that came to Jesus um, and, you know, talked with him. And she, she said, yes, I believe, you know, if you are, you know, the, the resurrection of the life, I do believe, I do believe, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, and Mary was the one that was crying and angry and, you know, if you had only been here, you know, and so, you know, he looked upon them both, um, with compassion, you know, not only did he love Lazarus, but he loved them and saw the suffering that they were enduring. Um, so how do you think compassion goes into how we can be encouraging today, Logan, looking from that example. Well, compassion um, compassion plays an integral role in empathy and sympathy. Um, without compassion, you know, it, that's, that's what drives you to put yourself in those positions. That's what drives you to be empathetic. That's what drives you to be sympathetic. Um, and, and in order to have compassion, you have to care about somebody. So that's 
that's a lot of it. You know, when we have, when we, I'm, I'm going to do it. We're in election time. And, uh, <clears throat> and by the time this video drops, hopefully we'll have a president. Um, but uh, that's a whole nother thing. But I, I, I think that there's a lack of compassion in our world right now. And I'm not just talking about Christianity. I'm not just talking about atheism. I'm talking about compassion as human to human. There's a lack of compassion. And it's, I'm right, you're wrong. And if you disagree with me, then you might as well just be dead to me. And that may be strong verbiage, but that's pretty close to how some people act, um, if not more than that. So having compassion for somebody um, is so foreign. It's so yeah. different from what we've been, maybe not been taught, but what we've been shown and what we've felt. Um, and I think that that is a huge part of what Satan wants. He wants us to feel, like I talked about earlier, he wants you to feel alienated. He wants you to feel like nobody cares about you. Everybody is out to destroy the world. Everybody is trying to tear it down. And if they don't believe what you want, then you better get them out of your way. Uh, on both sides. He's telling both sides that. So there's this berating of each other because of a lie that we've believed from Satan that compassion's dead. When yeah. compassion is only dead when we stop feeling it for others. Right. And I think we need to back up too with this with this specific sense since you decided to, to talk about the election. No. Um <laughs> You know, compassion is not pity towards someone that you think is less than you. Right. You know, and, and Jesus, when we say that he was compassionate on them who, you know, were like sheep that were without a shepherd, we may think, oh, those poor sheep, they don't know what they're doing. You know, but that cannot, that's not what that compassion was with Jesus. His was genuine loving care for them. Mm -hmm. You know, the compassion that we have for others is not, oh, they're believing this lie, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know that, the, that this group or this media or whatever, oh, they're believing this lie, you know, so I need to care for them because they're lost. And, you know, that's not what compassion is. Uh, and I think that needs to be said since, you know, we're all talking about this, you know, compassion is, is, is a meaningful love. You know, it, it is, it is care. It is, you know, a genuineness towards someone that, you know, you can be connected with that person and not believe the same things that they do, but you're making the effort to be connected to them. Um, and and compassion also goes with more than just um, more than just suffering too. I think that should be said as well. Um, compassion is this idea that I am passionate, right? Compassion. You know, there is a passion behind the feeling that I have toward you as a human being, made in the image of God, and nothing that you say can cause me to hate you or to have disdain for you because it's the love of God that's really shining through. 
Well, that's a good yeah. point. Is that it's not it's not a love that you have to generate. Um, it's you're just reflecting God's love. We're the moon. God's the sun. You're just reflecting His light. And so, where why do we? You don't have to generate it. You don't have to sit there and be like, man, I got to force myself to love this person. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm glad God didn't feel that way about me. Maybe, oh. but I mean, I, yeah. I'm just glad that God didn't look at me and say, man, Logan is such a bad guy. I have to force myself to love him. And yeah. he doesn't do that for anybody. He loves without question. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of attitude he wants from us. Jesus says they'll know your mind by your love for each other. And newsflash right here for some Christians who believe this, that's not talking about just other Christians. That's talking about mankind, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I love people in this building. That's a good start. Uh, but Jesus was talking about your love for mankind. Uh, that's how people are going to know you're his. And there's a distinct lack of love for our fellow human right now uh, unless you're red or unless you're blue <laughs> and uh, so uh, I and I could hammer the politics all day long uh, but uh, I'll uh, I'll stay out of it okay <laughs> <laughs> I say reluctant okay um, but and and I guess since this is the last thing that we say on the, the or I say on the political thing you know, if we feel vengeful over this, we had to remember, vengeance is mine; I will repay. You well, know, and, and we gotta we gotta leave it at that. And we just have to do what God asks us to do. He's gonna handle everything else. He's gonna take care of this. You know, election. If you know, He wants to fix it one way or the other. He's gonna take care of that. And we just have to do what He asks us to do, which mm-hmm. is to love. You know, to, to love, to serve, follow him. Um, so this compassion that we've been talking about mm-hmm. is the motivator, is the fuel for two other things that we want to talk about uh, today. And that is uh, empathy and sympathy. And I, I want to actually start with sympathy because we've kind of been talking about empathy a little bit. Uh, and I want to talk about the power of this too. Now, sympathy is really having feelings of you know pity or sorrow towards someone who is going through some kind of suffering or some kind of issue um, that you don't quite understand or you don't know exactly how they're feeling and and I feel like sympathy is far more common uh, even in sim- similar situations that people go through you know like me being sick at 27 is not going to be the same as somebody who is going through the same illness at 84. You know, so if if I have the flu and they have the flu, it's not going to be the same. You know, you know, so I I can have, you know, sympathy towards them. Um and we might feel that sympathy is not quite up there as far as, you know, how you can encourage others, but I want us to challenge that idea a little bit and talk about how this can be one of the very greatest things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really, honestly, it, it expands further than, 
you know, the dictionary definition, which is to, you know, have pity or to have sorrow for somebody going through a hard time. Right. You know, um, there are so many things that we can do to show somebody that we care about them. Even if we can't feel what they are feeling, and oftentimes I really don't know if we can feel exactly what people are feeling, you know, exactly. Even if we've gone through the same thing, you know, take people that have gone through divorce, for instance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe both people have been divorced before, but one, you know, is kind of mutual or happened quickly. Uh, You know, there wasn't a big custody battle. And then the other one, they have all of these problems and it's gone on for years and different things like that. Well, obviously, they're not going to be able to, you know, they don't know how exactly each one feels. They can't can't completely empathize. Right. But you can show that person that you care. Um, A little bit into my life, I haven't really shared this at all, um, you know, through this program, but I've gone through divorce, you know, and it was a scriptural divorce, you know, and I've you know, tried, you know, everything I could to restore, you know, the marriage and everything. Don't feel bad for me because this has gone on for, for a long time. The biggest thing that has helped me through that is my church family. And many of them haven't even had somebody in their family that has ever been divorced. Maybe, I mean, there's a few, but they've never been there. They've never been through one. They don't understand what it's like. Maybe they have their own personal feelings about it uh, that they were not shared with me because of whatever reason. But the fact that they've they've kept me on as their preacher, you know, they've encouraged and lifted me up and prayed with me. And, you know, there's a couple that actually invited me over to their house just to pray. That was the only reason they invited me over was to talk a little bit and to pray about the mediation that was going to happen the next day. Not being able to understand or even feel the things that they that I was feeling, they still showed that they cared. And I really don't know how to explain sympathy so much as, as except for to give that kind of example. And I'm sorry, listeners, if you didn't want to know all that intimate stuff in my life, but, you know... I just have to say that I am so thankful for the church, the family of God, to support me through all of that. Not being able to understand or even feel the things that I was feeling, they reached out, they prayed, you know, they did whatever they could to support. Uh, And so I think the power of sympathy can go much further than we think. With sympathy, you've got... Uh, and by the way, thank you for sharing. You know, I, I don't speak for myself when I say that that is, that is not, I can only imagine that it's not easy to even talk about. But that allows us to see that there are ways that we can empathize. And there's ways we can sympathize because I've not been through that. My parents never went through that. Uh, my, the, cl- the closest I have is my grandparents. And that was before I was born. So I can't relate to, I can't empathize with you in any way, shape, or form. But I can, but I can sympathize. 
and I can tell you I'm here for you, and I've told you that. I've said, I'm here for you. If you need to talk, you just let me know. And that, that when, when that happens to me, that goes so far. When with that example you just gave of your brothers and sister, your brother and sister helping you or praying for you, it, it, that goes so far, and that sticks with us. And so it's hard to do, but the reward is so lasting. It's not, and it's not even a reward that you feel. And I think that that's why it's so hard, because that's why Christ did it, and that's why He calls us to do it. Because the reward is not for you; it's for the person you're empathizing with. It's for the person you're sympathizing with. It's to tell them, "Look, I'm here for you," and it's an encouragement that is going to last a long time. And I think that when we think about it that way, it makes it a little easier. This does for me. Um, that this mm-hmm. is it's not going to be a one-off thing they're oh thanks and they forget about it the next day because when you're genuine about it per, first of all people can tell children can tell when you're genuine so adults can tell when you're genuine when you're genuine about it they feel that and they keep it with them they lock it up in their heart and it may be something that they say for a rainy day and they don't even realize they're doing it but you've encouraged somebody and you've affected them in a positive way towards the kingdom of heaven uh, before we move further, you know, this story and letting you in on my life on everything, I just want to say I'm not trying to defame or anything like that. The only point, the point that I was trying to make is that it's a very difficult time in my life where the family of God did above and beyond to help me get through it. Um, but now we're going to move a little bit further and we're going to talk about empathy as opposed to sympathy. Now, Again, I think sympathy is one of the greatest tools that we have uh, because that's something that we can have for everybody. We can always sympathize with everyone that we come in contact with, uh, no matter what they're going through, no matter you know what they're dealing with. We can show that we care and that we love them. Um, I think empathy is more for circumstances where you are more close to a person, perhaps. Uh, I feel like when you express or show that you feel and you understand what somebody is going through, you really can sort of put yourself in their shoes because you understand the situation that they're facing. You really have been there before. And, you know, no situations are going to be identical. Um... But, you know, there are things that occur in life um, that are similar, you know. And, you know, I was talking about two people that got divorced. You know, one has this situation and one that has this situation and they're a little bit different. But let's change that. And uh, losing a parent early in life. You know, I, I think that, you know, both, you know, people that we might say that have lost a parent early on in life you know can empathize with each other on that I feel like empathy in and of itself is kind of an attachment to sympathy you know it it still is the same you know I care for you I love you I'm going to comfort you but there's that added bonus of you know, I feel what you are feeling. That is something that 
is, in my opinion, of a God thing. What I mean by that is that God understands your situation better than anybody. And I believe fully that God puts people in our lives for certain seasons. Um, maybe a season of, I'm going through this, and I know somebody who's been through that. Or I know somebody who's dealt with that. Um, I, I have had a very good life. I've had a very cushy life, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, and so I haven't had a lot of struggles, but I know people, and I'm not going to share any examples because that's not my story to tell. But there's examples of people being in other people's lives for a reason. For a reason. And they've been through that. And I think that God puts people in our lives for that. And when we are put into somebody's life and we see that they've been in a similar situation, that's why earlier I said I think it's our obligation to empathize with them and to encourage them. Because I've been through that or I'm going through that same situation. And maybe it doesn't have to be cookie cutter same. But your example of divorce, yes, there's many types of divorce. But I have the, if I have that ability to empathize with you, then I ought to do it. I believe that's an, obliga an obligatory part of this because of God's hand in it. I, and I firmly believe that God puts people in other people's lives for the purpose of empathizing. Yeah, I, and I agree. But, you know, I think you just jinxed yourself <laughs> uh -oh. by saying, I haven't had a whole lot of suffering in my life. Oh, no. <laughs> Because I used to say that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is uh, being the type of personality I am, I don't, I don't view suffering as suffering. <laughs> because yeah, there you go, because I simply ignore it and I just pretend like it's not there. And so when I say I haven't had a lot of suffering, I haven't. Does that help you? No, it's absolutely not. It's the type of, I haven't had a lot of suffering that I've had to deal with because I've ignored a lot of it. So, um, oh, but, uh, yeah, we're no, going to have a different talk. I about think, that. I think I just, <laughs> I just hurt Zach's heart a little bit, but, uh, and my wife knows this too, though, that like, I, I'm really good at ignoring pain. And, uh, and so that's why I say that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I if I'm being honest, I mean, I was born in America. I have two, two parents who are not divorced, who love God, who love me. I mean, the list could go on and on. And that those two right there, I'm more blessed than most people who've ever lived. And so that that's why I say that. And, uh, you know, that, I don't know, maybe I'm too positive for some people, but that's where I feel. <laughs> but Well, and I will say that has been, you know, the, the plus out of, you know, all this been going on with me is now I can, you know, at least somewhat empathize with people who are going through that. Right. Um, and that will help me to be a better minister. You know, when you go through something, some kind of suffering, and you see somebody else go through that too, I think you're right in that you have an... I, I don't know if I would necessarily say obligation. You may feel strongly about that. Um, but I think that there should naturally be a pull. You know, there should be, you know, oh, they're going through this for the first time. I've gone through this before. Maybe inwardly there is the feeling of obligation, like I need to go and help that person. I need to go encourage them. I do feel very strongly about that. And our guest last week, Jordan, um, when he left the ministry, you know, he was somebody I talked to a lot uh, when I left the ministry um, about that feeling because he had done it about a year or two before me. And so I was going through the things he was going through. Um, but now I'm in a position where I can reach out to somebody who's, doing, who's going through that. 
But on the flip right. side of that, also, um, now that I'm now that I'm on the outside, now that I'm living a normal life, not a paid minister, um, I, uh, I I have so many things where I can sympathize, I can empathize with people far better than I ever could, and and so I think it, and that's why I say there's an obligation because I think that there is a slight obligation that God expects us to do that and that's because he expects us to love each other and I think that's a huge part of that and yeah. I think it would be I don't think it's a sin let me get that first out there it's I'm not saying that but I think it's it can be construed as a little selfish um, and I've been I was given oh, yeah. I was given a gift by my brother Jordan uh, with some encouragement when I was going through that and now I'm ready to give that gift to somebody else and I have and I want to um, with that encouragement and so that's I think it, it's like that commercial um, where um, that people I don't even I don't even know the people I don't even know what company it was, but they somebody sees somebody doing a good act and then they do a good act. Somebody sees that one right. and then they do a good act. Uh, that's how I feel about empathizing and encouragement. Um, that pay it forward. Pay it forward, and you when you pay it forward and when you pay it back. If everybody did that, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, and. And that's the thing about Christ. He went through it. You know, he endured the suffering. You know, he faced loss. He faced temptation of every kind. But then he offers his hand. He he extends it to us um, to to find comfort. You know, and and even in the suffering that is not supposed to be unexpected. You know, as a Christian, you know. You know, when Peter says, well, why do, why, are you surprised that you're suffering, you know, as a Christian? Yeah. You know, even in that, we can still, you know, when we're expecting the suffering, you know, we can still find that compassionate empathizer, you know, to bring us through it. Right. Um, and I love, you know, the thing about Jesus, when we cannot find someone who practices empathy. And I think that when you su- when you go through suffering, you know, or you go through a certain situation, I think it's good to talk to other people. And especially those who have been there before. Mm-hmm. But in those situations where you feel that there's really nobody to talk to, we need to understand what um like in Romans chapter 8, the fact that nothing can separate us from Christ. Famine, nakedness, sword, any kind of temptation and suffering. It's not going to separate us from him. And he is always outstretching his hand to where we can find peace and contentment and encouragement. Um, So I think that should be the takeaway if we cannot find someone to encourage us. But if you're listening, we need to step up and reflect that love, that compassion of Christ to do these two very important things. To sympathize and to show empathy. We want to thank everybody for watching today um, or listening. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast uh, network, Logan, why don't you close us with prayer and uh, we'll get the show on the road. Absolutely. Let's pray. 
Dear God, our Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this time I've been able to spend with my brother and everybody who's listening today. Lord, I pray for everyone who's listened to this podcast, not just today, but from the beginning. Lord, I pray that they have sympathy and empathy for their brothers and sisters, and really, Father, for the, the humans around them, the humankind, the people, because everybody has a little piece of you, and God, I pray that we see them as that, and that we reach out and we're ready to touch people in a way that we can only do through you. I pray that we're ready when you put us in situations to empathize, and I pray that we're looking for ways we can sympathize. It's in your son's most precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Bearing Up, whether you're watching or listening. Uh, today we're brought to you by the Ministry League Network. Um, whether you're familiar with it or not, the Ministry League Network is a really cool app, and there's a lot of goes into it. There's so many resources for ministers and uh, Christians of all walks. Download their app, Ministry League, or just go to ministryleague.com and look at all their resources and all the kinds of things they have on there. And also, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook. Please uh, subscribe, follow us on those things. Also, look at uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Um, whether you're, you know, watching or listening, we love having you um, as a part of this program uh, to support us, and, and so we can encourage you. If you know a young minister or really anybody who needs encouragement, let us know, and we'll we can we will try to send them some encouragement as well, or maybe even have them on the podcast. Just send us suggestions at bearingup.podcast at gmail.com or private messages on Facebook or any of our social media. Finally, if you'd like for us to have a Q&A session, send us a message, an email, uh, whatever it may be with your questions. Comment below. Uh, we'd love to have one of those episodes. And thanks again for joining us. Thanks for watching.